another week an opportunity to to preach the truth and to proclaim it, Lord, as we dive into a movement many people are unfamiliar with, Lord, I pray you would give me the the boldness to proclaim that which I've studied and to present, Lord, the truth with it, Lord, to expel these lies. Just be with me and be with us, Lord, as we discuss these things. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So the last time we were here, we were discussing the history and maybe a lot of my analysis of the movement known as the Black Hebrew Israelites. Um, if you weren't here for that, you can, um, you can go back and listen to it. Uh, just a recap. All right, so you had Rabbi Matthew, who started a movement what is referred to as the Commandment Keepers. That movement is still around uh, to this day. Abba Bivens joins up with him, and he's what I would say is a lot of where the influence comes from, Abba Bivens. Abba Bivens, I'm going to play a clip. It'll be my second clip I play where we'll, we'll find out more about Abba Bivens. But he uh, splits from the Commandment Keepers and really starts his own school, his own um, uh School of Torah, Israelite School of Torah. Um, many developments after that. Uh, Ariah comes in. Um, then you have what's known as the Seven Heads Movement collectively. Lots of splits, lots of development. Failed prophecy in 2000, which I'm going to show in a bit. Um, and then you got now where chaos and many Christians are seeking to engage that movement. Uh, we left off discussing the... Um, 12 tribes chart, and this is usually the breakdown you'll see. At every camp, they'll have a big, huge sign right in front of them. Somebody comes up, Jared, comes up, who's your, who's your father? He's like, black man, so-called black man, you Judah. And so that's usually, that's how they determine what tribe you're from. Yes, sir. Off the father. They're like, well, you're who your father is. And we'll, we'll get into that, how that's going to create a lot of problems when you start reading scripture. That's actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell it. That's why they reject the virgin birth. You can't have Christ not having a father, right? So he has to come from a, a physical seed. It's consistent in their theology. It's, it just doesn't fit what the Bible says, right? And so that's why they reject the virgin birth. Um, let's see here, because I'm going to play a clip. All right, I'm going to play this clip here. And this little background, this is a gentleman, he's a BBC reporter, and he's going into, I believe it's 1995, this clip is from. Yes? He's going into an uh, Israelite school, and you're just going to see his face. He's just like, what did I just step into? And and the reason why I play it, besides the humor, is actually because you can see a lot of their theology just naturally coming out while they're talking to this man. And so, with that being said. You hear that? You see that these guys are black. Uh, it's no borderline. It looks like a stronghold to me. That's King George, believe me. But 
This is actually how they think men in the Bible dressed. <laughs> they didn't have on those shades though, right? <laughs> so you can hear that language? Y'all know Tom Jones? <laughs> that is Arya. So Arya in the school before the 2000s in the Israelite school of Torah, or they may be ISUPK by this time. But look, he's right there, in, in, right in the school. This is before the ICGJC split and the failed prophecy. You can hear in the beginning, right? 2000, Lord's going to come back on a white horse, kill the Edomites. Well, 18 years later, right, or actually over, over 20 years later, that still prophecy hasn't been fulfilled. And they got ways around that, just to let y'all know if you guys ever call them on it. Um, so, yeah, I play that clip because you can actually see a lot of the theology just coming out just organically yes question what, what are some of the things they use to explain that jonah uh they'll say well jonah prophesied right it didn't come true but actually it was jonah was giving a warning if so now they'll say well well people got right and repented well, i don't want y'all want y'all want what y'all was saying in, in 95 y'all saying the lord's going to come back in 2000 Right. So and you say they can't repent. And so how do they repent when you say they can't repent? So 
I don't know. I leave that up for them to answer. You know, I don't. I don't try to. You know. So, um, th- I want to play one more clip because we were talking about the twelve tribes chart last time, and how I don't actually believe that Abba Bivens affirmed the New Testament. I think he just used it. And this guy pretty much says what I've been saying all along. And so this, uh, just the introduction of what he's going to be saying, he's pretty much reminiscing about how great Abba Bivens was. He's going back, flashback, and he's just talking about him preaching. Um, This little first part is going to be kind of funny, but um, he's just reminiscing about the good old days with Abba Bivens. But he's going to discuss the 12 tribes chart. Check this out. So this guy pretty much confesses, right, that Abba Vibbins told him this wasn't true, the 12 tribes chart, where they get this from. And it was almost when he passed away, people didn't get that message. And so they just started relaying this as it was true when Abba Vibbins confesses, yeah, I know it ain't true, but this is how we get them in the school. That's why I always say Deuteronomy 28, and we'll be there in a second, uh, is the gospel for this black Hebrew Israelite movement. Knowing that you're an Israelite, is the gospel for them being identified as an Israelite for them is of most importance. So when you are saying, Hey man, no, you're confronting them on that. That's why it gets a very emotional for these guys because you're attacking the very center and heart of their religion, of their movement. Now they wouldn't like that term religion. Um, they'd be like, we're not a religion. We're, we're a people, you know? So they, they like to distinguish between that. Yes. We'll get into that, uh, but just like all their doctrine, eisegesis, you know, um, creating a theology 
and slamming it on the Bible and saying that's what the Bible teaches. Um, so their thesis ultimately is this. Those who are in the Western Hemisphere who came over here as a product of the transatlantic slave trade are the lost tribes of Israel. The Bible is a book about so-called blacks, Hispanics, and Native Americans. But that's a bit puzzling, right? Because when were Native Americans taken on slave ships to, a, to, the, to America during the transatlantic slave trade, right? They weren't. So, it's, so they'll, they'll have little ways around that. But, I mean, because their whole point about Deuteronomy 28 is that it's prophetic of the transatlantic slave trade. But if that's how you determine if you're an Israelite, I don't know how y'all come up with some of these people. And what about the people? And, and they'll say things like, well, the people who were taken. What about the people that were left there? Well, they'll be like, yeah, they weren't. So it's a bit confusing nailing down actually what they mean. Because they'll shift this goalpost once you start pressing on it a little bit. Um, but let me give a kind of a breakdown of what they'll say about Deuteronomy 28. They will believe... Verses 15 through 68 is prophetic of blacks, natives, so-called blacks, natives, and uh, Native Americans and Hispanics. So this is actually a prophecy, they believe. I reject that premise. I don't believe Deuteronomy 28 is a a prophecy. I believe it was a covenantal contract between the people of God. Um, This was an if-then. If you break, this is what will happen. If you obey, this is what will happen. Yeah, y'all can turn to Deuteronomy 28 because we'll be there for a bit and discuss some of these things. But I reject that. So their claim is blacks fit the curses given in these verses. No one else fit these curses. We'll actually see that's not true. If, you, if they want to play the game of if you fit this curse, you're an Israelite, well, you're going to have some other nations fall into these categories, right? Um, so they will, BHI, black Hebrewites will identify that they have been cursed since the slave trade and been at the bottom. I actually find that very uh, disturbing as a black person, as a black man, that blacks are cursed. It sounds like Mormonism to me. If anybody have ever dealt with Mormonism, like, they'll say that. And, and black Hebrews like, agree with that statement. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, you know, I don't believe blacks are cursed for being black. All men are cursed by being born in Adam. Not by being black, not by being dark-skinned. And we'll get into some of those uh, even more so uh, proofs of how that's not true. So, thesis. Blacks, natives, Native Americans, Hispanics have been cursed by God and have forgotten who they are. Now, God is sending his prophets to wake them back up. Uh, could somebody give me Deuteronomy thirty-two twenty-six? Because I'll give a proof text for what they use for why... They actually don't know they're an Israelite until someone tells them they are. Uh, yes, sir. 32-26. I would have said I will cut them into pieces. I will remove the memory of them from men. Yeah, so they'll... The <laughs> you can see it's not actually saying what, it's, what they're saying. It's saying the memory be removed from among men, not them. People not Right, exactly. People will forget about them. They don't forget about themselves. And how does being in in chains make you forget what nation you're from like you get in somebody put you in chains you forget you're american or you know like that's not how slavery works (laughs) and so that's ultimately uh some of their claims on that uh they have a the hard time discussing with them online is their 
something I call memeology. Everything you're going to post, they got a meme for it. And you're not really going to get to the issue. So, like I said, they don't like being called black. Funny enough, all the verses they use are texts that literally say black. Like, they'll use Song of Solomon uh, 1-5, where it says something about being black. And actually, it's not describing the color of Solomon. It's more so, like, his despair. Like, he's he's sad and, like, you know, something of that. It's, it's not speaking of... Uh, why do you got to tell people you're black? Don't people know that by looking at you? You know, so it's like... <laughs> Why has he got to scream this out in the streets, you know? So it's, it doesn't make sense. So they'll have things like this. I'm not a black. So they, they don't even like the phrase black Hebrew Israelite. They'll be like, that's redundant, you know? Um, so this is something you'll see quite often, too. And they'll post this, like, you know, you feel empowered once you're a black man. You finally read the truth of who you are. You know, the white man's been hiding it from you all this time. Roman Catholic Church been trying to hide you, black, black man, who you really are. They don't want you to know that you're the chosen people of God. And right, like I talked about last time, that could be very emotional if you struggle with, with identity. If you, could, if you have identity crisis, right, that, thing could be, that could be very empowering. Like, wow, man, I'm, I'm the people of God written about in the Bible. The Bible's about me? You see that? It's very uh, narcissistic, right? Um, that's why you'll... you'll when, when you get in talks with them, maybe you're a white person engaging them. They'll be like, well, the Bible wasn't even written for you. The Bible was written about me and my people. And so they'll be like, you can't even, ch-. like a classic example of this is watching uh, the debate with James White. Once he started getting like, um, <laughs> I'll say it, schooled, the guy started just saying, give me my book back. That's not an argument. You know, that's, that's, that's you just uh, emotionally, you know, spewing out, Hey, I can't really deal, but you don't even need to be dealing with the Bible. And so that's a lot of what you'll get. Uh, are there any questions about that? All right. So let's get into it. Deuteronomy 28, 48, and 49. We'll look at this, just highlighting a lot of their proof texts. I'm going to read it from the KJV because a lot of them are, yeah, but... <laughs> Therefore, and usually they'll have a reader, and they'll have a guy, his hype man. Therefore, shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee, in hunger and in thirst, and in madness, or in nakedness, and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck, until he have destroyed thee. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from afar, from the end of the earth. As swift as an eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. So let me give their interpretation first. Let me give their breakdown, as they would say. Thine enemies which the Lord shall send against thee. So they would say, for them, this equals nations, white nations, they would say. Edomite nations, Romans, Spaniards, Britons, Greece, America, just to name a few. So the, the Edomite is their enemy. Although scripture says the Edomite is actually your brother. Yeah, don't detest them. Well, different camps have different answers for that one. Um, some will say that's not even real Edomite. It's really just a person who's uh, adopted Edomite culture. Well, the text doesn't say that. It says an Edomite, you know. <laughs> it's distinguishing between um, an Israelite, you know. And so that's what they'll refer to. So a lot of times a white person come up, 
or maybe I come up with a white person, what you doing with your enemy? You know, so they'll see, though they don't know anything about this guy, though they know anything about me, they'll say, hey, what are you doing hanging out with your enemy? And so they'll use proof text like this. Don't you know the Edomite is your enemy? Although the text doesn't actually say the Edomite is your enemy. They interpret it as that. So in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in one of all things. So they'll be like, do you know many black people who have their own companies? So they interpret that as kind of like, it's kind of strange when they, how they interpret that. And also in slavery, they'll be like, see, weren't we in hunger and thirst? We were in captivity. And actually, they, they, they still believe they're in captivity now, though some of these people have pretty good jobs. And you'll be like, how are you in captivity? It's like, well, this ain't my land. I was brought here, you know, on slave ships, uh, which we'll get to in a second. And so they equate this need of going to grocery stores, restaurants, uh, drinking water that are not owned by blacks. It's like, man, you don't know many black businesses. I got to go to, you know, the white man, my enemy, to get this in hunger and thirst, right? And so that's, a, that's how they, they um, believe that. But the fact that they'll say, well, it's not even a fact, how they see it, they don't see a lot of blacks, Hispanics owning, um, you know, restaurants, businesses. So they'll say, well, I got to go in hunger and thirst to my enemy. And so... Yeah, it's, yeah, I know a lot of y'all shaking your head. Out. Yeah, me too, right? So the next phrase, he'll put a yoke of iron upon thy neck. They will interpret this passage as, or, they, or they'll, they'll love to ask, who else had yokes of iron around their necks besides the black man, Native American, Hispanics, man in America? Then they'll show pictures of black men, you know, and whips on their back, stuff like that. Um, well, actually... Not just blacks, Native Americans, and Hispanics were slaves in America. Some whites were slaves in America. I know that's not really talked about a lot, but um, but when you say that, right? Oh, you just oh, you just been a sellout. Well, no, I'm 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 uh, proclaiming a historical fact, and I'm not trying to hide it like you guys, you know. So. When you combat them upon that, they'll, and, and most people who don't know anything, they'll be like, man, I mean, imagine you don't really know a lot of history, you don't know a lot of Bible, and you hear somebody say, and the yoke of iron be upon their neck. Well, we think transatlantic slave trade, right? Like, man, well, I guess, I guess that is, well, I guess I am an Israelite. And that's how they sucker a lot of these guys in. Uh, but actually, let me give the correct interpretation of this. Deuteronomy 28. It's not about America. I'll say that. In case y'all were wondering what I really believed, it's not about America, all right? And a lot of things they'll say is like, well, you just been westernized. You, you, you follow in colonial, colonialism interpretation. I don't know how western you get by seeing America in Deuteronomy 28. I mean, I, that's as western as it gets. I mean, and that's one of the things I tell them. So Deuteronomy 28 isn't a prophecy. Thine enemies, could somebody read Jeremiah 27, 6, and 7. Because the Bible actually tells you when this happened. When Israelites broke the covenant, it tells you the enemy that was brought upon them. Go ahead. Whatever you prefer. (laughs) All right. And now have I given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and the beasts of the field have I given him also to serve him. 
and all nations shall serve him and his son. What was that? All nations? All nations. No, just, just Israelites. And all nations. Uh, but those who are accepted, right? That's how they'll do. I'm practicing their interpretation, but that's all nations shall be brought under this. Mm. And then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. So the Bible tells you all nations shall be taken under this this captivity because of it. <laughs> and actually in Daniel one, well, uh, can can somebody read me uh, Deuteronomy? Uh, yeah, Deuteronomy twenty eight thirty six, because I got a funny story about this one. Go ahead. The Lord will bring you and your king whom you set over you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone. So the Lord shall bring you and your king, right? So when was, during the transatlantic slave trade, a king brought over in, cap, in captivity in America? Well, there wasn't one. Right. Um, So a lot of times I like to ask them, when was that king brought? I had a conversation with one guy and I'm asking it's like it was on the phone and I asked him, all right, man, if Deuteronomy 28 is about blacks, who was this king? It was a long pause. I was like, hello. He said, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Who is this king? And he was like Martin Luther King. I was like, oh, oh, no. I was like, are you just saying that because it says king? Like, his last name's going to be king? I, I mean, but when you're desperate, I mean, you'll fly out any answer, right? And so, yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, you got to, right, like, I guess it's Martin Luther King, you know, but he was saying how it's representative of any black man who's going through the struggle, I guess. And I'm like, ah, that's. Yeah, that's not what it said, you know, but in um, hunger and thirst and nakedness, actually it's talked about in Jeremiah 27, verse 5, where the children of disobedience will have to serve thy enemies in hunger and thirst. When you're in captivity, you're dependent upon this master for all food, all water. If he does not feed you, he does not give you nothing to drink, you're going to die. And that's what it's talking about. So the point is through this passage is that this was fulfilled in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 1.1 talks about it too, that this king that the Lord shall bring from afar. Let's look at um, verse 49. I'll tell you what they believe about this. So the Lord shall bring a nation from afar uh, from the end of the earth. As swift as an eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue shall not understand. So the Lord shall bring a nation from afar from the end of the earth. Well, that was America, right? Ain't America far from Israel? That's a pretty far journey, right? As swift as an eagle flieth. What nation has an eagle as as their symbol? America. It's simple, right? That's obviously you're talking about America, right? A nation whose tongue you shall not understand. Well, we weren't speaking English when we were in Israel. We were speaking Hebrew. Right. That pure language, the pure tongue, as Zephaniah 3.9 talks about. Well, actually, this is a very Western understanding of it as well. Um, The Lord shall bring a nation from thee from afar is actually speaking about Babylon. 
And so they'll get on a map and they'll be like, well, Babylon is not far from Israel. And if you look at it from just looks real small, looks real close. Right. Take a car, take a day to get there. Well, that's a very Western understanding with cars. But actually, in Ezra 7, 9, we're told it took Ezra four months to make this journey. It was about 800 mile distance. And so. Yeah, on, on land, it would be from a nation from afar, you know. And so Babylon still is in view here. Um, as swift and as eagle flyeth is not talking about the national symbol of that place. Because guess who, guess who else has an eagle as their uh, symbol? Mexico. I mean, so I don't know how. <laughs> this is not talking about national symbols. It's talking about how quick this destruction will happen once they break the covenant. Roman Empire has that symbol. Modern, Modern, right. So they could not understand this text until 1700s, until, you know, America became established as a nation. And so a nation whose tongue shall not understand, right? Like I said, we weren't speaking English. Well, they they don't know the difference in Semitic languages. Like, Like one language, even though it's, you know, 800 miles away could be different, speaking a different Semitic language than the Hebrew, though it may, even the dialect, right, is a little different. And so, yeah, it's just a Western understanding of uh, of that. Um, yes? Have there been any attempts for no. any of uh, <laughs> these uh, groups to come out with their own version of, of the Bible? Um, they'll use... No, not them, but there is something um, that they'll use where it's like replaces English names with like the Hebrew name. And like I said, remember I talked about them being very like, uh, but funny enough, it uses the actual Hebrew, not their fake Lashawan Kadash, you know. So, no, they haven't themselves because they would be like Yahawashai, you know. So, no, they don't. They haven't themselves. Like they're very, And funny enough, the stuff they, the the one they use was created by a white man. who And I'm like. Wait a minute. So they're very dependent upon <laughs> Western sources, you know. Yes. Don't they use like a 1911 or KJV, but some of them will use uh, like a mix. Like, like I said, I don't. I forget the name of it, but it's like a um, yeah, something like that where uh, it replaces the Hebrew uh, with the English names. Um, they're sacred namers, so. They'll usually use verse 64 as well. And it says, the Lord shall scatter thee among all people. From, from one end of the earth, even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou, thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. Now, this one's going to shock y'all a little bit because what they interpret that wood and stone to be. They'll be like, well, what religion are Christians more, are black people more involved in? It's like, Christianity, Islam, wood, stone. And so you're like, whoa, wait, wait a second. I mean, this is not like a prophetic verse on speaking about Christianity um, or Islam coming into existence. No, they were actually serving wood and stone. They were idols. And so... Like I said, once you once you gotta make up stuff, I mean, like once you buy the breakdown of Deuteronomy twenty eight and you're an Israelite, that's why people can believe uh Jermaine Grant, the man who claims to be the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit. 
And so, like I said, that's the gospel. Everything else is side issues. If we agree on this, it don't matter how you get there as long as you get there. And so, um, so they'll talk about this. Well, how, you know, about blacks being scattered among all people, right? And that's going to be important when it comes down to their uh, gospel, actually, uh, when we talk about their gospel, um, because they'll see that as when, when, when texts read, like, all nations, well, they'll be like, well, that makes sense since we were scattered in all nations. So the text is actually talking about all Israelites in all nations. And so it can be a bit uh, confusing if you don't know how to combat a lot of that stuff. But um, so, yeah, this will be their their text to prove, you know, blacks being scattered into all nations. Right. We were scattered into America. Um, verse 68. This is the main one you get. I had to put the picture up there for for emphasis. Right. Uh, Yahweh shall bring you into Egypt again with ships. And there you will be sold unto your enemies for a slave man and slave woman. And uh, let me put the full verse up there. It said, the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships by the way thereof. Shall I spake unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again. And there you'll be sold unto your enemies, the Edomite, right? For bondwomen and bondwomen. And no one shall buy you. And notice I put save slash redeem. Because there was a buyer. So for some for some blacks, yeah, so yeah, some were stolen, but there were some buyers. There was actually uh, the selling of slaves, and um, yeah, exactly. It was a big market, right? And guess what? Some of them were blacks selling blacks. Like that's the one thing they don't really seem to be um, teaching. But they'll say that Bayou actually means redeem. So that's why they'll say they haven't been redeemed yet. That's why they're still under these curses. And given their breakdown of Deuteronomy 28, verse 13, about their hermeneutic of precept upon precept, right, that you shall be ensnared, I kind of agree with them that they're still cursed, <laughs> you know, because, yeah, you eisegete verses like this. Yeah, you are under the curse of God. If you're not in Christ, right, you are under the curse. And that's actually one of the things that I bring up um, about about that. Um uh, yeah, I can go into a little bit more historical things, but yeah, so Galatians 3.13 talks about Christ redeeming us from the curse of the law. How are you in Christ? Christ has borne your curse, but you're still cursed. And matter of fact, Proverbs 3.33 says the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. So you're, by, by you acknowledging the curses are on you, you're admitting you're not righteous. You're admitting you're wicked. And one of the things I ask them is, why, why don't they identify with the blessings found in Deuteronomy 1 through 15? Well, they'll be like, well, our people are, it, it just really comes to some offensive stuff they'll say. It's like, well, our people as a whole are just rebellious. I'm like, ugh. Everyone's rebellious. It's not a black thing, right? It's <laughs> all men are wicked, you know. And so, it it'll be a lot of racial stuff like that to where they actually kind of promote a lot of the stereotypes that are 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 about uh, minority communities. Um, and so, yeah. Are there any questions about that? Yes. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yes, yes. Uh, so, what's their view on the real nation of Israel? 
Oh, 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 yeah. They get really nasty with them. They'll say they'll use a text in uh, Revelation where it talks about there are those who claim to be Jews who are not. Right. But they're a synagogue of Satan. So they'll use that passage. Those Jews over there are Satan's instruments. Oh, okay. So let me explain that because that's where it gets very confusing. I'm going to throw a monkey wrench right now. So, so you'll be like, okay, you were taken from Africa, right? But we know historically it was Africans who were taken from there, you know, uh, and other, in other, other nations as well. Well, they'll say, no, we're not African. We're Israelites. And so they really despise Africans. Now, I know y'all be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought it was was like, so a lot of y'all like confused, like, how does that make sense? It doesn't, but I'm telling you what they believe. (laughs) Yeah, so what about the Africans who were enslaved and taken over here? Were they Israelites? Now, I'm not saying they have, I've heard answers for these questions. These are questions we have. And so... Those are things to consider. Here, here are things to consider that I wrote down. I already talked about the king. Uh, the first reference to Egypt in Deuteronomy 28 are cr- clearly literal. Speaking of literal Egypt, referring to the actual place. Why would the meaning switch to mean America the third time it appears in the same passage? So they'll, they'll, like it says you'll be taken from ships into Egypt again. Again, when were blacks in America before the transatlantic slave trade? When was Israel, as they would say, in America before the transatlantic slave trade? Answer, they weren't. Therefore, they misused the passage, right? Uh, So what is the objective justification for using Deuteronomy 28 as a scriptural DNA test? So you'll run up to them and be like, how do you know you're an Israelite? Deuteronomy 28. Well, wait a minute. Have you taken DNA tests? Well, we can't use the white man science. I didn't know. I didn't know white people had a monopoly on science. You know, like, <laughs> like they bought it out. Like, you know, early on, like, no. So they'll say Deuteronomy twenty-eight is my DNA test. Well, you're gonna have some problems. Why couldn't an African or any other nation who seemed to fit these curses? Claim the same thing about him since he was taken from transatlantic slave trade, therefore saying he's cursed and is an Israelite. Well, they, well, you can't do that. It ain't about them. That ain't not what I asked. Answer the question, right? So they don't have answers for these things. So I'll, I'll play presuppositionally with them and say, well, okay, if that's true, how is this true? So another question I'll ask, why doesn't the passage mentioned in Deuteronomy 28 the main thesis of theirs that Israel will forget her identity. If that's the like, if that's like a key point, why doesn't the author mention that? You know, uh, they don't have answers for that. Uh, let's see. Oh wait. Yeah. So, and actually, in Deuteronomy twenty-nine, let me let me find this passage. You'll actually see. Turn, turn, ch- turn the chapter over because I want to demonstrate that Deuteronomy 28 was not just given to Israel. These, this covenant of Moses was not just given to the physical seed. Deuteronomy 29, verse 10. 
I'll read from my ESV. It says, you are standing today, all of you, before the, before the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders, your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the sojourner who is in your camp, or the stranger, you may hear referred to, from the ones who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into the sworn covenant of the Lord your God, which your Lord your God is making with you today. Verse 14, it is not with you alone that I'm making this sworn covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today before the Lord our God and with whoever is not here with us today. Boom, right? I mean, clearly uh, the Lord has always had a plan for other nations. And um, it'll get very, because they, they don't believe the law was given to other nations. So you'll be like, it, it can get really dicey. We'll get into this later when it comes to salvation. But they don't believe other nations. And now they're not consistent with this because they'll complain about like slavery and all these things. Some things that are right, what they say. But they'll complain about, well, they'll say other nations can't sin. They don't have the law. And so that's why they can't be saved by law keeping. Now, I see a lot of you guys shaking your heads because you're like, how do they come to that conclusion? Well, by by misreading Deuteronomy 28 and other passages. We'll, we'll get to those uh, probably next time. All right. This is what a lot of uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this or we'll pick it up next time. But so they believe that white people, descendants of Esau. I reject that, by the way. I don't believe uh White people descend from Esau, um, but they do. And we're going to actually find a problem with what they uh, claim. So they'll usually post memes. Like like I said, they're very big in a memeology. And they'll say the first came out red, Esau, right? All over like a hairy garment. Black people are naturally smooth, right? So they'll say things like that. And they called his name Esau. So the white man is Esau problem since they already affirmed that he's the devil who was tempting in the garden if Esau was born in right right Genesis 25 who was the person tempting Adam in the garden couldn't have been the white man right the white man ain't come yet it's Esau he's the prototypical proto you know the type of the white man to come I guess I don't know uh but Actually, in Genesis 25, 25, that word for red is Adam. What's that? Right, right. Adam. That's where we get the word Adam. So Adam was a red man. Right? As a matter of fact, we also see that in 1 Samuel 17, 42, David is called ruddy or red. Now, you can't have the king of Israel being Esau, right, or Edomite. <laughs> so they got ways around it like, well, that word ruddy just means beautiful. Wait a minute. <laughs> so Esau was beautiful, too? I mean, like, so they'll switch. They'll do the switch and bait real fast when you start calling them on a lot of their doctrines. Um, I want to I put this picture up because it's, it's kind of funny. And so they'll go to verse 27. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter. 
Now, we know black people don't hunt, right? Which I find very, I mean, <laughs> just discriminative. Like, actually, no, you got some black people can hunt. <laughs> like, no, right? Like, you don't hunt, right? I know some white people don't hunt. There, this verse came out, James White's son actually did a debate with one of the, uh, with ISUPK. And they kept referring to him Esau, and they brought this verse up, verse up like, Man, I, I bet you just got a uh, bowl of red soup in your house right now, you know, and I bet you love your guns, huh? Love your guns. White man love guns, right? Well, um, there's actually some um, Israelites who are spoken to be good hunters in the Bible. Uh, let me see if I can find this. Uh, oh, yeah, Leviticus 17, 13, it says, Many men of Israel were great hunters. Uh-oh. <laughs> I guess they got some, you know, was was uh, trying to be like Big Bro, you know? I mean, <laughs> what's that? Nimrod, right? Nimrod was a great hunter. He was actually called the the first great hunter, right? The first great hunter we see was uh, Nimrod. And so, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, I, I don't know what they do with those passages, but not, let me say this. Matter of fact, wait a minute. They believe the Native Americans were Israelites, right? <laughs> they they were great hunters. <laughs> uh, you know, so, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, you know. And they'll go like, well, Esau dwelt in the mountains. We the caveman. And so, matter of fact, David did for a while, too. He was in hiding. And so <laughs> I want to show this picture because, like, this is huge for them. This is, l- let me, before I put that picture up, let me explain this guy. He is in the, um, a group called Sakari. His name's Deacon Aka. I've actually had some, uh, I debated him. Me and a gentleman named Brother Jay debated him and the leader of that group called Guerrilla Hebrew. And um, what you're going to see is just like, wow, like, this is huge for them. Skin color. Who your father is is huge. So he says this, if Jesus is white or if the Jews in Israel are the real Jews, then God is not real. So if he was come back, see a Jesus come back and he was white, he would be disappointed. And so, like I said, this is their gospel. This is the essentials for them that we're the Israelites and white people are actually the devil. Yes. So, Chris, if they have, like, family outside that aren't black Israelites or associated as that, like, let's say it's interracial marriage in their family, do they just disown those oh, people yeah. completely? Oh, yeah, they talk about me. Yeah, they don't They don't like that my wife is uh, white. Funny, funny thing, I'll, this will be the last thing I share. The leader of this group, Guerrilla Hebrew, his mother's white. And someone... He had a dialogue with a guy named Polite. He's a conscious member in the community asking him about that. Wait a minute. The Lord allowed the prophet of God to come through the womb of the devil. He was like, that's right. And so he's asking him, does he want he believes all Edomites should die. So he's asking the million dollar question. Should your mother die? Well, he's. He's like, well, I don't want to wish that. You know, he's, you can see him having this internal struggle. Like, man, 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 you know, this woman cared for you for nine months in the womb. And you want 
her and her descendants dead? Well, you know, yeah, it's, it's very troubling, right? It just causes self-hatred. And what unregenerate man wouldn't love this? What unregenerate man wouldn't love a gospel that says, I can hate people? It's this, that's what I'm, this, this doctrine feeds to the unregenerate. Like, I, I couldn't imagine nothing better if I was just hated someone, hated a white person that would fit everything I wanted and try to give biblical justification for it as well. And so we'll end there. And I'm sure you guys have all kind of thoughts in your heads. And <laughs> but guess what? We'll worship together today as, as one, as the body of Christ, Jew or Gentile, right? We're one in Christ. So amen. Thank you, guys.